Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. This is John Katsimatidis. It's 5 o'clock, and this is where you get all your news and find out what's really going on in the world and what makes common sense and what doesn't. In the studio with us is uh, we have Governor uh, David Patterson, Governor, it's good to have you here. Thank you. And I understand you did a podcast with uh, former Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo. And were you in the same room? No, we were. We were on Zoom, and they asked me if we could do twenty minutes. We did an hour and thirteen minutes, and I guarantee you, it was all very exciting and a lot of history. And it was it was a great show. I think. Wow, wonderful! I look forward to listening to it. And we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. Um, well, welcome. Thank you for having me back. Okay. And uh, <laughs> Rita Cosby on my right here. You know, there's a lot to talk about today, John, too. And we have an action-packed show. Uh, we're going to have Al D'Amato in a second. We also are going to be talking about border. We have Congressman Peter King, Miranda Devine. And, of course, John, everybody is talking about this case on the subway. Uh, the 30-year-old man who was taken down. And in the last few minutes... Uh, New York Governor Kathy Hochul saying the homeless man, quote, was killed for being a passenger on the subway. AOC saying oh, you it's murder. He paid? Uh, well, in the past, he hadn't. He had fair beating. In his, he had 44 priors. I understand he had 44, 46 priors. And I understand, was he abusing some of the uh, the people on the, uh, on the train? He was threatening them with violence. Also, by the way, he had an outstanding yeah. warrant. For Forget a couple of years? Screw the warrant. No, no. For I don't care about the warrant. But it's very important. Was assault. He had an outstanding warrant for assault. That is important. Yeah. Well, I, I care about if he's threatening the passengers. Well, At what point do you say enough is enough? And, you know, if I had my Rocky Calavito bat with me and, and he was threatening me, I hit him over the head. Yeah, and by the way, John, people did say that. They were on the train. It's 2.30 in the afternoon. And there were people who said he was throwing garbage at them threatening them, and they felt intimidated. And then, of course, the veteran, the Marine, comes from behind, takes him down. And so far, nobody was saying that his goal was to kill the guy. His goal was to subdue him, to stop threatening other passengers. And, Judge, that's the and intent, I understand right? That there was a reporter, uh, uh, Christopher Robbins, objected to us saying uh, that uh, uh, we we compared him to Charles Bronson. What do we say about Charles Bronson? All he says is, if the police are not going to take care of you, you, you have, have to protect you have yourself. Right to protect, to protect yourself. yourself. And by the way, the police can't be <laughs> everywhere. And that's why, if I was sitting on the subway as a young woman, somebody, a homeless guy, comes. It is a scary thing. You don't know if they're going to snap. What I'm most concerned about is they've already politicized this and to rush to judgment. And Mayor Adams is absolutely correct. Slow down. Stop the That's political rhetoric. Slow down. Let, Slow the down. Let the process Let's go forward. Governor Patterson, what do you think, uh, Governor? I think uh, this is a case 
that is really going to be about how long uh, the gentleman who intervened uh, kept held him in abeyance the way he did. If if uh, people were trying to get him off of and trying and he was disabled at that point, I think he'd be convicted of something. It won't be murder, but it would be a manslaughter or a criminally negligent homicide. But the conditions around it, I think, aren't going to make too many jurors uh, interested in seeing this man uh, get punished. He may have. Uh, in the emotion of the of the situation, gotten may have gotten the better of him. But now, but Gov, I, there but were I two other think, people well, there. I understand. I don't, think, I don't think there's any intent well, here, uh, on his part. To here's kill my the question: other man. There were two other guys there because there was somebody else who was holding the guy's shoulder down and also holding his arms down. Because when the guy first started to put him in the chokehold, he was still flailing and fighting him off. So, what happens to those others too? I mean, that's, that's a serious question, too, I, as well. I, I, I think Senator that, D'Amato is waiting for yeah, us. Yeah, let's bring him into this fiery you know, conversation. we got the great former senator of New York, Senator Al D'Amato. Your thoughts on this, because there are protests tonight outside of Alvin Bragg's office. And then we've got people like AOC saying it's murder. We've got the governor who just came out and said this homeless man was killed for being a passenger on the subway. Your reaction? I think her statement, the statement of the governors, is uh, one of the worst statements that the governor could make at this time. I think at the very least, she should wait till all of the facts are in. Exactly. I think Mayor Adams is absolutely correct when he says, you know, um, he criticized AOC, the congressman, for saying that Jordan Neely was murdered. All right, uh, Mayor Adams, you are absolutely correct. And he hit the nail on the head and he said, let's wait and see. Let's get the facts. Now, the, the facts that you know, and I heard it was at least 40 arrests and, and you say it's 44. So he has over 40 arrests. There's a warrant out for him. We know that he's deranged. He was acting in a deranged manner. People have already indicated that this this fellow, this wasn't just some poor guy who's sitting there mumbling to himself. And, and, and he made all kinds of wild statements in sense. Uh, he had the subway writers uh, absolutely terrified. And so this Marine takes him down with a chokehold. He holds him there. It takes the police 15 minutes to, to get there. And, and and why did it take them 15 minutes? Where are they? Shouldn't they be in close proximity to the subway? So when you have something like this, you can get down there in four, five, six minutes, 15 minutes. Okay. And he doesn't recover. And now you're going to try to charge this Marine with murder or some crime. Give me a break. Wait for the people who are there who can testify, who can say that they were frightened, etc., that he was acting irrational. And, and that this young man, former Marine, who comes there, who takes him down, all right, and holds him down there. And did he know he was going to have to hold him for 15 minutes? I'm sure he didn't. Did he know that he was struggling to breathe? I'm sure he didn't. And this wasn't a case where there's... Poor homeless guy is sitting there doing nothing, and somebody comes up and chokes him. If my wife, now, if now my wife, AOC making this ridiculous, crazy remarks because she's nothing but a left wing kook. 
if my wife, if my wife was in the subway, would join this. And I say, Governor, take a look at your remarks (laughs) and and temper them. If my wife was in the subway, I'd give the guy a reward for helping not uh, helping her and making sure she doesn't get abused. Why don't you take the story a different way? Let's assume that everybody just stood there and let everybody be terrorized and threatened and somebody was seriously hurt. Then the articles would be and the opinion would be, how dare they just stand idly by when somebody is beaten by a deranged person? That's a great point. Judge, you're, you're absolutely 100% correct, and they shouldn't rush. The politicians here, with the exception of Eric Adams, who said, let's get the facts. Let's not rush the judgment with this. Here's AOC getting the city roiled up, supporting the rioters. Yeah, sure. You won't have anybody riding on the trains that way, AOC. And when the hell is the last time you rode on the subway alone? Well, Senator, I've I've been riding the subway for my whole life. This is Governor Patterson. AOC. No. When is the last time that she rode the subway alone? Who is she to be talking about what people have to go through when they face, yes, even a mentally deranged person who can hurt someone else and who is acting in, in an erratic way and threatening to do X, Y, Z? Let's find out exactly before we say he should be charged with murder. Give me a break, will you? Right. You should be charged. You should be charged for for, for being a jackass and representing a, a crazy fanatics who, who would, would allow uh, homeless people and any others to, to ride the subways, to ride public transportation, to make threatening remarks, and, and to terrorize people who had to go to work, people who had to take their kids to school, school children, etc. Oh, yeah. And by the way, you bring up a good point. It's middle of the day. I mean, no time is safe. And how sad it's emblematic of the deterioration of New York. By the way, also, I want to throw another point in. There was a guy who said uh, that the gentleman was um, obviously threatening, was also talking about being thirsty, but that he did throw garbage. And this guy, who seemed even a little, somewhat sympathetic to Jordan Neely, he's a uh, passer, uh, a passenger on the train, made the comment that he said, "I don't think anybody's intent was certainly to to kill the guy; that he was just trying to hold him down." And this was a guy who seemed sympathetic. Uh, Gov, you have a point. You have something you want to say? Well, Gov, I was just saying that that you know I've been riding the subway since I was a teenager, and it was the only way I could move around the city. And sure. there were a number of these sort of incidents that I remember from from years ago. And I'll tell you, when you're in an enclosed area in a moving, you know, train and people start something with you. And I don't know what it is, but even now when I get on the subway, everybody else just kind of nods to me. But the, the the people who are obviously disturbed totally recognize me and start asking me all these questions. And I'll tell you, it's a frightening place to be in. And a couple of times I thought it was going to graduate to exactly what happened in this situation. So I have all the sympathy for the individual who was charged, I just don't think you're going to find a jury to convict him of well, anything. But, Governor, oh, he hasn't been charged. You know he yes. hasn't been charged yet. They're, they're investigating. Yes. They're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to put political pressure on the Manhattan DA to bring charges, but he has not been yes. charged yet. He and, hasn't. And let me tell you this. I predict that you will not get a jury to convict him, that there'll be more than one person who holds out. 
This is a ridiculous case for the district attorney to prosecute. And I hope Alvin Bragg sets a precedent here, one that he has not demonstrated so far, and, and looks at the law closely, examines the facts closely, because if he does, and gets witnesses who say, yeah, they were concerned. Yes, they think that this man did the right thing, that he will not go forward with this trial and continue this nonsense. Because if this trial takes place, there'll be bedlam in this city. Yeah, that's a great point. I am so worried about uh, the division. Um, You know, Governor Patterson, I want to ask your thoughts about Ayanna Presley. I mean, this is outrageous. She put out a tweet a little bit ago saying black men deserve to grow old, not be lynched on a subway because of a mental health crisis. Uh, what is your thoughts about that, Governor Patterson? It's outrageous. The, the reality is that this gentleman was thrown into a situation he wasn't expecting. He was trying to help because apparently this guy was throwing things at people and was becoming more and more erratic. It was the right thing to do. He may have gotten emotionally driven to the point where he didn't know when to stop, but I don't see that as chargeable criminally. It might be something that, you know, you wish he hadn't done. And plus there are other people helping him. So, you know, I don't know where we're coming up with this lynching and and, uh, these other descriptions of just a person riding the subway. It's all politics. Who who was trying to help their neighbors who were under attack. And I I think... uh, uh, you know, we should remember that he came to help. We don't know what would have happened if he didn't. Yeah, that was the judge's point. Think about if he had sat back. And I can, when I, I, again, I've only been on the subway a few times recently. It's been a long time. It is terrifying as a woman. And I'm sure there were women on there. You don't know if someone's going to snap. And if they're throwing things at you, who's to say the next step is going to be something else? You don't have else? to have a knife. You don't have to have a razor blade. You don't know what they're carrying. And it just takes a second to take another person's life. Well, we're going to have to take a break. Yep. Or actually, we've got Stephen Ide who's coming yes. up. Yep. Uh, Alphonse D'Amato, the best senator the, the New York has ever had. I'm glad we had you on. It made my friend Lucia happy. And uh, God bless you. Good to be with you, John. Take care now. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And joining us now here on Katz and Cosby to talk about the mental health of this individual, but also what we need to do with individuals like this who are all over New York City and really all over America is Stephen Ede. He is a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. Stephen, what do we do, not only, obviously, to help somebody like this, but also to help society? Yeah, I think the last time I was on with you guys, it was when Mayor Adams was rolling out his involuntary treatment plan uh, sometime last year, as you recall. Um, And that was an effort to, you know, make more use of psychiatric hospitals to stabilize people and to help society. Um, I think what we learned from this tragedy is that, first of all, um, that plan is not going quite far as low in stabilizing the subway. But secondly, we still need something like that if we're going to um, do something about these tragedies. You know, and they're happening all too often, John. We see them every day. I mean, we see them on the streets well, of New I, York. I, this is John Katzmatidis, and, and I have said that uh, 20 years ago, we used to have 28,000 patients in mental health hospitals, and then the politicians... Uh, threw them out. 
And uh, now I think there's only like 3,000 in mental health hospitals. So this is contingent liability. Whom to blame? The politicians that, that threw them out of the uh, uh, mental health hospitals and, and, uh, and made them homeless? Or do you blame? Uh, who do you want to blame? I mean, uh, I don't know anymore. Well, but yeah, this is a failure of government systems. I think we understand, you know, whether you're on the right or the left, that people with severe mental disabilities whose families cannot care for them, that's going to have to be the government who steps in there. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. So really, we need to talk about what are the politicians doing? Yeah, and it doesn't look like they're doing anything. You know, the one thing I think about, too, in the middle of all this, Tiffany Caban, of course, New York City Council member. Remember when there was that horrible case of the guy who had a mental history, uh, clearly had illnesses, had priors. He stabbed the FDNY woman just out of the blue. And Tiffany Caban basically said, when you see somebody with mental illness, approach them. Ask them if they went to high school with you. Ask them, would they like a drink? I don't think you want to have contact. I mean, that's crazy. She must be tiptoeing through the tulips. Right. I mean, these incidents are so fast, it's, it's hard to keep track of all them. But here's what's different about this one is the way that some politicians are trying to make this about race. Okay, that I find very disturbing. If we keep the focus on untreated serious mental illness, I mean, it's a faint hope, but maybe we can talk about reforms in that front. If this thing spirals out of control and becomes all about race, you can forget about mental health reform yet again. You know, and um, and Stephen, too, also, we do need to obviously try to help these people. Some of them are crying out, but some of them, it's like not even crying out. They They're do like need a, help. No, like I, I, agree. I agree 110%. I, I think the politicians are more guilty than anybody because they're the ones that close down to save money. They are the ones that closed down these hospitals to save money and made them homeless. So they, ta- they changed the characterization. Of these people. Yes. And, and the other thing we have are veterans. And the, the, the federal government has to take care of our veterans because they threw them in the streets, too. Absolutely. And they became homeless. And you know what I also think, John? I also think family members need to do more because so many times we hear these stories and family members say, oh, I knew he had a mental illness or I knew she had a mental illness and don't do There's anything. blame to go around a lot of places, Rita. And uh, I don't know what to do anymore, but uh, it, it comes back to what happened in the subways. I mean, they, these people are using the subways as, as their hotels. Yeah, and police can't be everywhere. That's the thing. I think about, I haven't been on the subway that much, John. Last time I was on, I, like, prayed after I got well, off. Well, if I went on the subway, I'd take a Rocky Calavito bat with me, like I've always said, and, and somebody bothers me, I'd... Hit them over the head. Well, if I came, I'd bring you. <laughs> right. I mean, what do we do? The mayor, the mayor has been focused on this. Since he took office, he's been talking about this problem in a way that I don't really think you saw the blood. They were talking about it. it was more just an uncomfortable subject for him. Um, but the prog- and so they made, they're making an effort to more, more involuntary treatment. They're trying to at least talk about investing more in psych beds, but um, they're going to need a lot more help from the state. Um, and he's going to need a lot more, be a lot more effective in fighting off the progressive left and trying to hijack this narrative. We all agree that it's up to the politicians, the city, the city politicians, city council, the state assembly, the governor, and the state the senate to care for these people. And, uh, you know, don't say that you care for the poor and you're for the poor if you're not taking care of our homeless in the streets. Absolutely. And stop the blame game, too, 1,000%. Well, Stephen, I thank you so much for being with us from the Manhattan Institute. 
a very important topic. We appreciate you being here on Cats and Cosby. It was a pleasure as always. Thank you, Stephen. I hope we solve the problem someday. Yeah, boy. Thank yeah. you, Stephen, very much for making the time. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. We're back, and now we have former Congressman Peter King. I hate the word former. He's always, he's yeah, yeah, always, you're a, always congressman. Be a congressman. Our favorite congressman. Just Absolutely. like the gov, he's always a gov, you know? <laughs> congressman, tell me, where do you stand on, on this situation with this subway rider that was terrorizing uh, the subway riders? Listen, I would say from all the facts we know, there should not be criminal charges against this uh, ex-Marine, former Marine. I mean, I'm just trying to uh, you know, uh, imagine what it was like. You have all the chaos, as Governor Patterson was talking about, you're in this confined subway car. You have a guy who's on the ground. He's wrestling. They're trying to hold him down. And, you know, if they didn't let him go at all, he could have a screwdriver. He could have a knife. He could have a gun. And he was, he was resisting the whole time. Now, you know, and, uh, you know, being a Monday morning quarterback, he could say that they should have known the guy was going to die. Well, actually, most people don't die from chokeholds. This Marine was trained in that. I think he was trying to, uh, you know, submit the guy, just get him uh, where well, he, was, he, was, he was quiet and he, and he couldn't fight back. And listen, this all happens like, I mean, you, you know, the, you know, it's split second, really. Uh, it's just so quick. And I think they said he, he stayed on like an extra 40, 50 seconds. I don't know all the details on that. I'm sure he was not aware that the guy was dead at that time. I don't think he had any intention. And he was the adrenaline of making sure this guy doesn't get back up and start in again. And by the way, uh, Congressman King, um, also most of the passengers, everyone that I've read, even ones that seem, again, sympathetic to this guy, the homeless guy, said that nobody on the train really thought that he was dead or, or was dying. They just thought he was being restrained. How does that also, I guess, help the case for the Marine? And, and I also have a second question. Yeah, maybe he shouldn't be charged, but what do you think is going to happen? Will he be charged? Again, I can't speak for Manhattan. I mean, you know, times have changed, but I, I would hope not. And, uh, again, whether we did everything perfectly, the fact is, you know, uh, the uh, lander, the controller, was calling him a vigilante. Something vigilante when you're jumping up to help other people. It would be different if he went up and down the train trying to look for somebody to attack. Here's This guy was a danger. I think he was a clear and present danger. Or you could have thought he was. You were there. To, to other passengers, this guy, the Marine, jumps in, uh, tries to subdue him, get him down. Is holding him there. The guy is continuing to kick and fight and trying to get away. If you let up at all and he gets away, then you're starting it all over again. Again, who knows what he has in his pockets? Who knows what he has? And he had, you know, among those 45 arrests he had, he has, some of them are, are for assault. And there was an outstanding warrant for him. So he's not necessarily this docile Michael Jackson character that they're trying to play him out to be. And, and it is tragic, though. I mean, listen, the, the mental health issue, John was talking about how we've gone from 28,000 to 3,000. Uh, and I, here's where I give Eric Adams a lot of credit, because it's not just the politicians, John. And that, that they, listen, they have you know, a lot of blame here. But also the courts over the years have interpreted you know, do you have the right to take somebody off the street? Uh, are you violating the civil rights? And I'm sure that, you know, the governor probably went, you know, through this a lot more than I ever did. But it's a lot, it's not that easy, even to find somebody who's obviously unstable, to get them off the streets and keep them off. And that's gone back and forth over the years. So it's, there's so much, I think we have to sit down. People have to stop pointing fingers and not saying we're trying to harass or bother or go after and imprison mentally ill people. No, we're trying to give them the care they want. And if they resist it, I think we should have the right. And I, I know that the law in certain ways can be interpreted to allow that, but there's been enough cases. Like already, uh, you know, Eric Adams is talking about different proposals, and he's been taking the court over it. But we have to try to get away from that mentality. I don't think anyone in New York today is trying to hurt 
mentally ill patients, certainly nobody in government. But when you try to do something about it, right away you're accused of semi-fascist tactics. Because, I don't know, Governor, maybe you remember, we used to have 28,000 of those mentally ill in hospitals. When did it go from 28,000 down to 3,000, Governor? It started in the early 80s, the deinstitutionalization. And the whole idea is it was supposed to uh, put the patients closer to family members or people who could help them, and it's it's failed horribly. Also, it failed because we have more mental health issues all over the city and all over the state than we ever did before. And you also, Peter, welcome back. It's good to hear your voice. Thank you, Judge. Thank you. Let me say this. You also have the linkage between the mental illness and drug addiction. Exactly. And they're not, yeah. and they're not dealing with that. Great and the point. Ones, and the ones who are mentally ill and drug addicted are much more of a threat to themselves and to others. And that has to be addressed. And then you add to that COVID, you add to that the uh, recession or possible recession, economic issues, all that out there. And you're right, there's so much, it seems like so many more drugs around today and so many people being affected by it. Uh, more broken families, and all of the things that are conducive to poor mental health are there, and yet we're doing less than we you know, were doing 40 years ago. Nobody wants people locked away for years. There's you know, a whole idea of putting people in a sanitarium and never seeing them again. Nobody wants to go back to those days. But uh, if, we, if they are going to deinstitutionalize, they should make sure there are programs out there, facilities out there for them, housing is out there. And as uh, Rita was saying, that, that should find ways to make the families more responsible. What's going on? You can't just oh, he's my son. He's been having issues over the years. Now, what are you doing to try to help him? What are you doing to try to keep an eye on him? Yeah, you got to step in. Um, before we let you go, Congressman King, what do you think of all the politics? It's been amazing. Um, we've got AOC who says he was murdered. I mean, that is such a highly politically charged comment. And then we have Governor Hochul just a little bit ago saying the homeless man was quote killed for being a passenger on the subway. That was indefensible. Uh, I'm more shocked and disappointed in Governor Hochul than I am in AOC. You expect that from AOC. She's always going to be you know, the first one out of the box, uh, accusing cops, accusing people, uh, trying to bring up issues of racism and bigotry and you know, the whole thing. No, but to me, it's Governor Hochul. She should know better than that. And to say that, to think somehow that that Marine was attacking this guy because he was a passenger, he was, he was holding him down to protect the passengers on the train. You know, Congressman, Congressman, I've got to believe, at least until proven otherwise, I don't understand if you heard the fact pattern of this case. You might think that he used excessive force at a certain point, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's uh, committed a murder. I I don't know where the governor got that information from. I just don't. I don't either. And I agree with you. Listen, a jury may find that he went too far. I'm just saying in the heat of the moment, when you're down there rolling around on the subway floor and people yelling and screaming. I'll tell you what, Peter, I think a jury might find that he went too far and will acquit him anyway. That that could well be, right? Yeah, you put (laughs) the person in the moment. Congressman, thank you for coming on, and we we look for you to be back in the studio someday soon, and uh, God bless you. I'm glad you're feeling better. Hopefully back in about 10 days ago, I saw John, the doctor, say everything is going well. So. Oh, thank we you. love you, Peter King. Well, thank we love you, you and thank we you. miss you. And uh, thank you. And uh, let's go to a break. And when we come back, who do we have, Rita? We have the former immigration and customs official. We've got the head guy, Michael Cutler, talking about the border. Mayorkas goes to the border, and they are expecting a tsunami of migrants coming in. And Mayorkas says, it's secure. Really? We're going to talk about that after the break.
your commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back to Katz and Cosby. Well, today, the Secretary of Homeland Security made a rare visit to the border as they are waiting for Title 42 to be lifted in a week. And that means we're going to see a deluge of migrants. Even the Biden administration is saying that. Well, joining us now to talk all about it here is Michael Cutler. He's a retired senior special agent of what was then the INS, which is the Immigration and Naturalization Service. Um, Director Cutler, Agent Cutler, let me get you here on your thoughts. First off, Mallorca's going there. Uh, is this just one big dog and pony show? It's worse than that. By, by the way, to be to be honest about it all, I was a senior special agent, never a director, uh, but that's fine. Uh, look, this is our first and last line of defense. But you have to understand that Mayorkas had a checkered past going back to when he worked for President Obama. He was the head of citizenship and immigration services, and I think of them as America's locksmiths. Uh, they uh, adjudicate applications for asylum, for, for green cards, even for U.S. citizenship. He authorized his his adjudicators, ordered them to approve applications even when the aliens involved had possible links to terrorism. He was warned by the FBI. There was an inspector general report. And nothing ever happened to him. And he has now direct homeland security. Uh, It's stunning. So what's going to happen, do you think, when Title 42 is lifted? And the fact that they just added these 1,500. I'm not hearing you. I'm sorry. Oh, you can't hear us. Call us back. Can you hear us now? Can you hear us? Can you hear us now, Agent Cutler? Let's call him back. Let's call him back. But you know what's amazing, John? 1,500 um, uh, military guys are going down there. They're just going for clerical work. Now, I saw Senator Corrin before on television, and Senator Corrin has asked uh, President Bush to to put off this Title 42 until – uh, everybody's better equipped. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense. He was there, Lindsey Graham, uh, Cornyn, uh, Graham, and Cotton all were there pleading, and so far they're let's, not saying yeah, they're going to stop. Let's be clear. They don't need Title 42 because the President of the United States, Biden, Biden has the power yeah. to hold them on national security. Yeah, but he's not doing it. And let's go back, if we can, to Michael Cutler, a retired right. senior special agent there at INS. You know, Michael, we were asking about these 1,500 uh, guys that now the Biden administration gratuitously is sort of sending down, but for clerical work, right? Is that a drop in the bucket? It's less than a drop in the bucket. It's all window dressing for a catastrophe, and it's not just the southern border. You know, the Justice Department just issued a press release about a joint statement about U.S.-Canada cross-border crime involving human trafficking, fentanyl firearms, and so forth. We're being inundated from every direction imaginable. The administration has laid out the welcome mat for criminals, the terrorists, for the cartels. It's stunning. If the border is secure, they made it secure for the bad guys, certainly not for America or Americans. So where do we go from here? You know, the most ridiculous statement um, that was said the other day, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, said uh, crossings have gone down 90 percent, less 90 percent less migrants under the Biden administration. Even even uh, the mainstream media was raising their hands going, what What are you kidding me? Judge, you're shaking your hand. It's an unbelievable statement. It's preposterous she made. that they actually say that and they try to gaslight the American people. Yeah. It's, Governor Patterson, well, what do you think, Governor Patterson? Uh, it, it's it's hard to, to believe that that's going on. 
Yeah, hard to believe. It's a, it's a shocker. That's a diplomatic way, Governor Patterson, to answer yeah. that one. <laughs> Michael, no, what's your thoughts? Lie. Let's let's call it what it is. It's a bald faced lie, and images are real. By the way, Texas, five members of the current community killed by an illegal alien from Mexico who had multiple deportations. And I keep making that point. Enforcement of the immigration laws is not anti-immigrant because it protects the immigrant community from criminals who move in with them. Great point. This is about protecting innocent lives, national security, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. If you go to Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1182, it enumerates the categories of aliens who to be kept out. It has nothing at all to do with race or religion or ethnicity, everything to do with keeping America and Americans safe. You know, and, and the other thing too, Michael, um, and we've talked about this on the show, guys, is that there are 85,000 kids that went missing, uh, that have crossed the border that were unaccompanied. Um, my heart breaks for them. You know, they're coming to America. Their, their parents are sending them here. Who knows what's going to happen, Judge well, Weinberg? That's well, heartbreaking. They could be exploited as child laborers or they could be recruited by, uh, cartels or by the gangs. This is a very dangerous situation. Something has to be done. And this administration has totally abdicated the constitutional responsibilities to protect our country. What say you, Mr. Cutler? Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And if you look at the Constitution, everyone screams about the Constitution. Article 4, Section 4 says that America is to be protected against invasion. If this doesn't constitute an invasion, then I need a new dictionary. This is not about immigration. This is about an invasion. We admit more than a million lawful immigrants every year and place them on the path to citizenship. We admit tens of millions of temporary alien visitors. This is about a, a, a human tsunami of people who would not qualify to be admitted for a variety of reasons, including criminal histories, involvement with drugs, gangs, and terrorism. And yet the administration has thrown the doors wide open and we're at the mercy of, of this lunacy that's now being foisted upon the American people. Well, thank you uh, so much, and uh, uh, Michael Cutler, and thank you for everything you've done for our country. And stay on top of things, and uh, we'll, we have that 50,000-watt uh, uh, bugle, and we're letting all Americans know. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. By the way, my website is michaelcutler.net, and I, I write for Front Page Magazine. May as well throw a couple plugs in. Please, folks, share this information with your neighbors. Share yep. the concerns. This isn't left or right. This is right or wrong. Absolutely. Thank you, Michael. Really great to have you here. And, and John, we were talking about this earlier. This is stunning. And we have Tony Schaefer coming up in a second on this. Yeah, Tony Schaefer is coming up. And we're going to ask him, uh, Rita, uh, today, a Space Force commander was fired. Space Force commander was fired for criticizing a CRT and rips the Navy criticized the Navy. I guess maybe she should have criticized the Navy because she should have just, I don't know, whatever it works. And because they're using drag queens for recruitment. This is unbelievable. Rita? I saw the video. It is shocking. And everybody is going, what? What is this? I, I thought the military we're, we're was about using, readiness. We're going to be using these people to fight wars? Yeah, what about China and Russia? And let's bring in a drag you, queen. You think, you think the Navy would learn the lesson of Anheuser-Busch? Yes. Yeah. Great point. Well, joining us now is Tony Schaefer. He is head of the London Center, also Project Sentinel. And he is also a U.S. Army retired lieutenant colonel. Uh, Schaefer, Tony Schaefer, I got to ask your question. This, this to me is stunning. John and I were just talking about, have you seen the video of this guy? Uh, he goes by the name of Harpy Daniels 
And uh, there he is, and that's their campaign video. He is the first, by the way. And that's their recruitment for Space Force? This is th- No, this is for the Navy. And it is, by the way, it is uh, the first digital ambassador. John, this is the first person picked as the digital ambassador for the Navy. Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, are you just, like, shaking your head like we all are? Well, no, it's, it's their Bud Light moment. I mean, it's amazing <laughs> that they are choosing at this point to alienate 98% of the population. Remember, I'm all for the idea that you, you can be who you want to be, whatever. But the moment you start projecting as a policy matter, I mean, remember, this is Navy policy now that they're seeking people who have mental illness. Think about that. This is this is a mental illness. This is not normal. So when you take this and say, oh, this is what we're looking for, really, you're alienated 98%. That's what happened with Bud Light. They they did that with Bud Light. And let me tell you this. The last thing is to be mean. Uh, the same people who rejected Bud Light's little campaign with uh, with that uh, transgender are the same people that the Navy uh, really needs. You need people from the Midwest. You need people who are rugged, people who want to fight. And this this is sending the absolute wrong message to the absolute wrong time. And, you know, you talked about the Bud Light, and so did uh, the judge. By the way, the Anheuser-Busch CEO has just come out a little bit ago, and he's shifting blame for those ads, uh, the controversial saying, it's not a formal campaign. So it's like nobody wants to accept responsibility. <laughs> wait, wait, wait till we get to Ford Motor Company wanting to get rid of AM radios. I mean, Ford Motor Company... Forget about it. The Ford family must be turning around. Yeah, it's insane, John. It is insane. And I'm so glad you said, as a company, we're not getting any more Fords, right? We're not going to buy any Fords for any of our companies. Bravo, bravo. Judge? Colonel Schaefer, how can we protect this country when we're raising a generation of people who want to be in safe spaces? I just don't get it. The first thing we have to do is step away from, quote-unquote, diversity. When you join, when I joined the Army back in 81, I became green. We all became green. We were focused on the mission. Uh, the, jo- the Army's job is to, to kill people and break things. That's what you do. That's what our job is. And remember, uh, the co- cohesion, unit cohesion is necessary for good order and discipline to win. And remember, uh, basically what they're doing, this, you know, seeking diversity is the opposite of unity. And so what they're doing here, uh, literally in the ranks, is they're teaching a form of cultural Marxism, uh, this DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, training, which is now mandatory. It has to be stopped. It has to be gotten out because it is fundamentally simply re retooled just, Marxism for the 21st century. I just got a note from my producer, uh, Matt Warning. He says, we are uh, the, the guy who resigned from the Space Force He's going to come on with us tomorrow, Rita. Oh, that's great. Commander Matthew uh, Lohmeyer. So, boy, that's going to be blockbuster. Everybody's got to tune in for that one. That uh, That is something. Yeah, that's great, Tony. Um, we are so grateful uh, to you and your service and your candor, too. Thank you so much sure. for being with us. We appreciate Thank it so you. much. Uh, let's take a break, and we're going to be coming back with Miranda Devine. The star reporter from the uh, New York Post. Big scoops on and all the Biden ducks. Big scoops on... My God, I mean, some of the stuff that they're insinuating on the president of the United States, I, I pray it isn't true, but I guess we got to look at the facts. we got to find out. Miranda's let's, got the scoop. Let's take the break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. John, you and I have been talking a lot about 
this big subpoena from Congress to the FBI that may show a basically pay for policy scheme by then Vice President Joe Biden. Lots of new details. Let's go to Miranda Devine, who is, of course, a great columnist there at the New York Post. Miranda, uh, give us the latest because this is explosive. I mean, if this is true, and again, it's if we don't know, we haven't seen the document. It sounds really bad for President Joe Biden. Yes, look, I think Rita and John, it's important that everyone just maintains the uh, knowledge that this is an allegation so far. Um, But it is the first time that uh, Jim Comer, who's the head of the House Oversight Committee, um, has come to point the finger directly at the President, Joe Biden. And he's doing it in conjunction with Senator Chuck Grasley, who has a long history in the Senate of oversight of dealing with whistleblowers, of putting through whistleblower legislation um, that assists whistleblowers. And so I I think that they're two pretty heavy hitters and I don't think that they would have come out with the strong language they used about bribery involving foreign nationals and the President of the United States. These are explosive allegations uh, and I don't think they would do it unless they were uh, convinced as I've been told that this is a very credible whistleblower Um, and so you know it really adds to the mounting evidence from whistleblowers also from um, a lot of the financial transactions that James Comer's committee is getting hold of Um, That's a work in progress, but uh, again, it's just astonishing what they're they're finding. And uh, it's just part of the story I've been reporting on now for almost three years, which is that there was an influence peddling scheme that was built around Joe Biden. His family was benefiting from millions of dollars from America's adversaries. Uh, from China, from Russia, also from Ukraine and Kazakhstan, Romania, you name it. And now um, this particular whistleblower allegation, um, I'm told it's not about China uh, and it may be about Ukraine. Uh, Now, that part I'm not 100% sure on, but I know John Solomon has been reporting from his sources that it is Ukraine. So, Um, I know for sure from my sources it's not China. But Ukraine, of course, is a big problem for Joe Biden because when he was vice president, uh, Barack Obama put him in charge of policy in Ukraine. He made um, many visits there, and uh, that was at the time that he was telling Ukraine that they had to, you know, clamp down on corruption. I mean, there's video on that. That There's video on Joe Biden... Uh, saying that if they don't stop the investigation on his son, then he's going to take away the, the billions of dollars that the United States remove, was offering. They don't remove the, the prosecutor. prosecutor. They don't remove that special prosecutor they have. Yeah. And then he it. said, and yeah, son of a bee, it yeah. happened. Remember the famous yeah. line? Yeah, it's just got to happen in the next hour. Yep, and then son, son of a bee, he reports it happened. You know, it was one of those, like, that was pretty interesting. And Burisma. Now, for any I'm of our listeners, look, we, got, we may have a million listeners out there. I don't know how many we have right now. But any of our listeners, all you have to do is what? Google it. Uh, Joe Biden, what would you say? Joe Biden, pre- uh, Vice President Biden. Prosecutor uh, Ukraine, probably. It comes right, right up. You have to remove get the guy, the don't get the money. Of, oh, get rid of the prosecutor in the Ukraine 
Uh, otherwise, uh, I'm going to make sure the United States doesn't send you the money. And by the way, it's Joe Biden, as you point out, John, saying it. It is Joe Biden's own words saying that. That's why it's so powerful. Judge Weinberg? Randy, what, what I think is interesting is if the whistleblower is correct that there was a document, there's a file on this. The question is, what does that file contain and why did the FBI and the Justice Department sit on it if there's something real? That, that's what concerns yeah. me. Yes, and this is an FBI, it's called a 1023 um, uh, record, and that's uh, it, that's a special uh, record that is put in a more secure place when you're talking to a confidential human source. So clearly, uh, whoever had come forward to give this information about Joe Biden was um, treated as a protected a confidential witness in this um, investigation, if there was an investigation. Now, that's what Chuck Grasley and, and um, James Comer want to find out. Did the FBI sit on this or was there in, in an investigation? Maybe there was an investigation and they found that this was not credible evidence. Maybe exactly. that's the case, giving it the best, best you know, benefit of the doubt. But maybe they didn't. And I guess the question is, why uh, Why was the Oversight Committee not aware of this? Why is the whistleblower having to come to them? Um, when you look at it, in the letter, uh, I think that um, they they make the point when they're writing to uh, FBI Director Ray and they say, we want this, um, this FBI file, this 1023 report, um, and because it's unclassified. Um, and they say in that letter that Ray, Director Ray, you promised to protect FBI whistleblowers. So uh, is this whistleblower from within the FBI, someone involved in the investigation, or is it the, um, the original source of this uh, allegation? You know, it could um, be an informant, right? Uh, do I understand it right, Marina, that it could be an informant because it's this uh, 1023 form? Usually it's like it could be an informant talking to an agent, right? It's a confidential human source. Someone right. that that record is kept on a separate server from the just run of the mill interviews with suspects, you know, or witnesses. This is uh, was obviously treated by the FBI as a priority, as a confidential human source put on a different server where it couldn't be easily accessed. But it is unclassified. So this was in June 2020, in the middle of the presidential campaign. So if there was a uh, credibility to this report that Joe Biden uh, was involved in this bribe taking with foreign countries, that should have come out for the, the public to, to, to know who, what, who they were voting for. That's exactly uh, it, where I was going to go because of the timing. Exactly right. And Judge, what do you make of it? I mean, this if this is true, this is explosive. Of course, it's one more allegation against law enforcement and Justice Department and the FBI, that they weren't doing their jobs or engaged in a cover-up. I hope to God that's not true. Yeah, look, I do too. I, look, whoever, America, we have to, the, the American people have to trust the Justice Department. Whoever is guilty, some, I mean, we have to, they have to come to justice. Yeah, and also, John, they have to trust that our president is doing policy because it's right for America, not because well, there could be a potential accusations, deal. Accusations have been made. Yeah. That uh, uh, he's afraid that uh, uh, the Chinese uh, Communist Party is going to release stuff that they have on his son. 
and uh, that'll embarrass him and everybody. Yeah, and that's not the reason to uh, be doing deals. I mean, you got to be straight with the American public. The value is protecting America and making decisions. It's stunning, John, isn't it? I mean, this would be stunning if it's Miranda true. Miranda Devine, you do fantastic work. I hope you keep at it and Absolutely. make sure you protect our country. Thanks so much. Miranda, thank you. Thank you. Miranda, how many days a week in the New York Post? Um, well, seven. at least two. <laughs> she works seven. More. She works seven days a week, though. We know that. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> we love and, you, Miranda. Uh, uh, we love you. And uh, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the, the American, American way. way. God bless America and God bless New York. We need those blessings.